This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of our podcast. I'm Lucas, I got Chris and Uri here. And guys... The season is officially underway. We're back to NBA basketball. Even though it was a shortened offseason, it was way too long. And the Sixers, they've already got their first win. But before we get into that, guys, how are we doing so far? Doing well. Doing great. Had my first clubhouse meeting last night after the game. I was able to invite someone in. Uh, She's from Australia, and she was talking to me about Ben Simmons and her opinion, which might surprise a lot of people she she thinks that the native land is a little a little ashamed of ben how he's been Ooh. acting but you know i'm just gonna save that for for the rest of the pod so Ooh. yeah simmons is in he's Ooh. in some hot water right now well we'll definitely get into ben in a little bit but chris how about you take it away for us sure so we're gonna start off with the pelicans game that was the Sixers season opener on the road against new orleans on Wednesday night, obviously, no Zion Williamson, so not exactly a full-strength matchup. No Ben Simmons on Philly's side, which we'll talk about more in depth later. But a 117-97 to victory for the Sixers. They had four players score 20 or more points, which is, I believe, the first time that has happened in a season opener in a long time. Um, so a pretty good all-around game, Lucas. What was your opinion, though, of the starters? What did you see from that group? Well, let me start with the good. The good is, of course, Joel Embiid. Guys, let me tell you something. He is moving like he's 6'8", not 7 foot. He looked nimble, especially before he had the little tweaker on his knee, which he is questionable for the next game, but we hope that he is healthy and fine. But he was moving like a guard. He was getting pump pump fakes, mid-range jumpers, Euro stepping to the layup line, getting right past a big, humongous guy like Jonas Valanciunas. He was looking the part, and then his passing, guys, I told you it's possible that he could average five assists a game this season. And game one came out five assists, and I believe only one turnover. So, guys, he's looking good. The rebounds weren't there, but honestly, they didn't need it from him that night. That's what I loved about Joel. Tobias looked like, you know, solid Tobias game. Didn't hit either one of his three-pointers. Not encouraging, but okay. You still He still gave you 20 and 12. And Tyrese Maxey started off a little shaky. That first half wasn't great, but then he really turned it on the second half. He ended with 20 points, 8 of 14 shooting from the field, three, 2 of 3 from the three-point line, 7 rebounds, which I don't think anybody expected Maxey to be a really solid rebounder, but this was a good game for him rebounding-wise. He was attacking the defensive boards, and then 5 assists to only 1 turnover. You couldn't ask for a better, you know, starting debut in his second season for Maxi. Uh, what I didn't like, Danny Green just did not. I mean, he was his plus minus was good, but overall, he just he he put duds in all the, you know, stack categories except for one of zero of one shooting from the three point line and three personal fouls in 19 minutes. So, not the best Danny Green game. A little discouraging. Got to keep an eye on that. And then Seth Curry. Very efficient, just not very aggressive. Ten points, four or five from the field, two or three from the three-point line, two rebounds, two assists, two turnovers. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, 
I, I agree with all your points. I think Maxi's second half was a pretty big positive, probably the biggest positive, just because Philly really made a point to go to him and to get him more involved. As you said, he was pretty bad, like, in the first half. This was not a very good two quarters from him. But you end with 20 points, five dimes. He had a really strong stretch with that second unit um, to start the fourth quarter into the third quarter, that time frame. That's probably, like, the optimal setting for him. But obviously, Philly does not have the uh, capacity to put him in that setting all the time right now uh, due to other roster constraints. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, a really good game from Maxi. He's, he's going to put up numbers pretty consistently, I think. Um, he, he just he has the ball in his hands a lot, so he's going to have the chance to. Um, I'm really not concerned with Danny at all. Like, you know, he's going to have some quiet nights. That's kind of his nature. I, I'm not, like, worried about it. If, if this keeps up for the next 10 games, then maybe I'll, like, hit the panic button. But, you know, he only played 19 minutes. They went away from the starters basically the entire fourth quarter. They didn't need him other than Maxi. So I'm, I'm not super concerned about that. Uh, so, but Lucas, what were your thoughts on on the bench players? Well, before I get to the bench, I do want to m- emphasize one point. I think why Tyrese had a bad first half is that I think he was too worried about pl- trying to get everybody else involved because he was so focused on making the pass. He wasn't really looking and initiating the offense that he wasn't really doing what he does best, which is look for his shot and create off of that. Um, and I think. Somebody must have said something to him at halftime or something must have clicked. Going to the bench now, two stars really stood out to me. And I say stars, I I don't mean that literally. I mean that figuratively. But George's Niang was everything plus some more. 11 points, three or four shooting from three three point line, one block, one assist, plus 18. And then, of course, I got to talk about this, guys. I'm all on board for it now. Let's, Let's just ride it out and see what happens. Point drop. Okay. No, no. Dear Lord, no. It is point, but it's not point drum. It is point cork moss. Pretty good stat line. 22 points. He obviously had a great fourth quarter. Really lit it up. But, I mean, overall, you got to be satisfied with the way that he ran the second unit. Obviously, he's not a long-term answer there. But with shakeout and Maxi having to start, best option. I don't hate it. And honestly, if he continues to play well... I still might write it out and just let Shake sit the bench, which I know something is that Chris Can I get is all for. Clap track for <laughs> I don't think your eyes on board. Oh well, there you go. That's right. Um, I agree. Uh, and then uh, I, I will give Drummond some credit for turnovers. He should not be passing that much, but <laughs> two steals, two rebounds, and seventeen. No, sorry. Two steals, two blocks, and 17 rebounds in 19 minutes. Six points, two of four shooting. Not great, but you know what? I I honestly don't think the Sixers could ask more of their backup center in terms of, you know, impacting the game in every... Sadly, that includes turnovers, but you live with that based off of what else he can do in a limited time. Yeah, I mean, look, um, I'm sure it'll be more annoying when we're, like, playing Brooklyn, but against the Pelicans... I, I'm cool with Drummond just, like, being the absolute funniest possible player. Uh, <laughs> I'm all for it. Um, obviously, Furkan, I believe, had 18 of his 22 in the fourth quarter. Yes. Made four threes in a row in about, a, like, a two-minute stretch. Basically ended the game mm-hmm. early in the fourth quarter by himself. Mm-hmm. Um, made some really nice passes. Like, looked looked really good. Um there's been some talk about him like long-term losing his spot to Isaiah Joe. If he plays like this, that's not going to happen. They'll just have to play together, which we, they did which, today, which was great. Yeah. Lovely stuff. Um, Not the best Isaiah Joe game, but. It was not um, a good Isaiah. It's not, wasn't the best. It was a bad Isaiah Joe game. Minus one charge. He really did not impact the game positively. I mean, yeah, look, when you don't have a point guard, that second unit's going to have some pretty rough stretches. Like, Isaiah Joe was... They initiated. have a point guard. It's pulling Corkmoss. Isaiah Joe <laughs> and Furkan initiating the offense is, is not going to go well on a consistent basis. That's just not Isaiah Joe's role. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, with what the Sixers have, they just got to write it out. He's going to be fine. Um, yeah, look, 
I I really think this was a pretty positive first game. Obviously, the defense overall not great, but they still hammered it out in the fourth quarter. That second unit playing as well as it did, I think, was a big positive. Obviously, the bench has been a major issue in the past. It looked overall pretty pretty great in this game. Took some lumps, as I said. It's not ideal with without Maxi, but a really good second unit. George Niang is going to help a ton. Furkan looks as good as ever. Matisse is probably going to do what Matisse does. He played 27 minutes in this game, had four steals, gave Brandon Ingram a lot of trouble. Overall, is a positive. He had a really good defensive game, as you mentioned. You know, the offense is, is going to kind of be like Dwight, where, like, strange things just tend to happen around him. But defensively, he's a, a thousand steps up from Dwight, especially when he's engaged like he was in this game and like he was all preseason, frankly. So I think there's a lot of positive stuff there. I expect Isaiah Joe to look better as he gets more comfortable in a regular role. I, I, I think we're on a good on a good trajectory here. But... Mm-hmm. Lucas, what were some of your big overall takeaways before we move on? Well, obviously, we got to talk about the rotation, especially in the first half. There was no staggering of the first and second unit, really. Um, That obviously got the Pelicans back within striking distance at one point. I think they were tied at one point in the second quarter. Um, You know, it wasn't pretty. But obviously, the and I think part of that is, like you said, the point guard issue. But the other issue is that perimeter defense. I mean, Danny Green looks a step slower in tonight's game. You know, three turnovers. I mean, three fouls in 19 minutes. No other, you know, was getting blown off the dribble a lot. And then you have Matisse Seibel, 27 minutes, great. But, I mean, you he was a dud on offense, one of three from the field, two points. And that was off of a very nice pass from Drummond. That was probably the best play from Drummond offensively was that little dime pass to to Thibel. But in terms of like defense, and you highlighted it in your article that you put out this morning, perimeter defense is really going to be an issue if Tobias Harris and Danny Green are your two best perimeter defenders uh, getting consistent minutes because – until Thibel shows more on offense, you can't play him more than maybe 24 minutes a game, maybe. Yeah. I mean, look, he got 27, so yeah, Thibel it's an played issue. 27 minutes. He played really great defense. He did. You could, you could still feel that Ben was missing. Like, it's going to yeah. be a problem. It, it's clear that, like, Ben not being there is going to pose issues. I don't think there'll be a bad defense. They still have Joel, and they do still have Thibel. Like, and Drummond's not a scrub. Yeah, there'll be a – a passable defense, but they aren't going to be the number two defense in the league again if Ben's not back. It, it, I, I would suspect they'd probably be somewhere in between like the eight to twelve range defensively, which is still really good. But I I don't think it's going to be much better than that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, obviously, we've talked about point Furkan and stuff like. Any like Doc can still have other avenues to initiating the offense. Joel, <sighs> Tobias, Seth, and Maxi should not all be on the bench at the same time, like ever. Mm-hmm. There are ways to avoid it being Furkan and Isaiah Joe bringing the ball up the court and having to like initiate at the point of attack. Like that, that doesn't have to happen. That's something that happened because of Doc's uh, very strange choices. <laughs> um, so there, there are ways to around that issue too, but. Obviously, without any healthy point guards other than Tyrese, there are just going to be some lumps. That's natural. They looked pretty good in spite of it. On Wednesday, we'll see how they fare against Brooklyn. Doesn't seem like Ben's going to play in that game. So we'll see how it looks against like an actual good team. But I, I think a really positive start overall. Two yeah. things. Two things before you move on. Mm-hmm. I really think that we can't undervalue the addition of Drummond and Niang. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They were, they're major them. upgrades over last year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dwight Howard, you have to worry about his boneheaded technical fouls and uh, Mike Scott basically bringing absolutely nothing to the Sixers last season. So those two guys are going to really increase or enhance the offense and even defense. And the other thing you guys mentioned, Danny Green, earlier, do you guys have any idea why he did not get a lot of open three-pointers? Anybody? 
Probably because Ben's not, you know. Exactly. And I told you guys that that was going to be an issue. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know what? I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care. Because I don't know if you felt it, but I, I saw the ball moving in half court. It wasn't stagnant. Embiid was making good reads. He made some good passes out of a double team, not worried about mm-hmm. where is Ben and where is he going to kind of clog mm-hmm. the middle. So I think the spacing is going to be great. And Danny's going to suffer, but, you know, he'll get, he'll get a shot. So I think, it, I you know, like Chris said, it might it might just be a one-gamer, but, I mean, we'll have to wait and see with Danny. But I, I do agree. The spacing and the ball movement looked 10 times better. Granted, you don't have a natural facilitator, but that motion offense works for the Sixers. Yeah, I mean, like, the Sixers had no trouble creating open shots. So I, I don't think it was just, like, Ben and Danny are, like, a direct correlation. Like, I think Danny will have probably a better game Friday, and we can, like, calm down a bit. But I I, I do agree that the offense is going to suffer less than the defense, probably. But... I don't. I mean, the only part of the offense that would suffer without Ben being there is the fast break offense, and you can live without. You know, fast break points are great points because they're easy points. But when you got a guy like Joel Embiid, you can make it work. That being said, like Chris said, the defense is an issue that will have to be addressed somehow. But let's go ahead and switch gears now. Wait, that was the wrong one. <laughs> Did it sound like the right one? Like that one. That was a drunk. You like that one? I mean, it wasn't bad. Hold on, wait. Um, Wait, this is the. Okay, do the other one now. Ooh, I kind of like that one better. (laughs) Does that that do something for you, Chris? (laughs) (laughs) Oh well, I I think it's been decided, Uriah. We have to use that one now. Oh my god! All right, fine. Let's let's do it official. (laughs) Okay, let's go ahead and switch gears, guys. We're going to talk, of course, about Ben Simmons because it's not a Six Sense podcast without talking about Ben Simmons' drama. So, I don't know if you guys heard, but Ben Simmons, the bad kid that he is, got kicked out of practice last <laughs> earlier this week. And you know, want to know what he did? He told Doc Rivers that I'm not going to sub in. That's all he said. I'm not going to sub in. I don't want to participate in this drill. I'm not subbing in. You know, I Doc asked. I thought it was he had a phone in his pocket, right, Chris? That's what you've been putting <laughs> no, out. I don't think it. Okay, okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to. Yeah, it was all a right, practice. Gone. Yeah, it you do a little bulky. I, all right. I I, it did not look bulky to me anyway. Oh. But anyway. Counter- yeah, he, even he, if it was a phone, who cares? But, All right, hold on. Wait, time. Hold on, Lucas. We got plenty. Of time. Also, the sweatpants thing. Ben has been practicing in sweatpants his whole Look, career. No one cares about the sweatpants. Like it's the cell phone thing. Lucas, when have you ever in your life played basketball, like real competitive basketball, with anything in your pocket that could hinder your performance? Have you ever played with a phone in your pocket before? All right, no. But okay, so why would but a professional he... do that? Why? Even because he's trying because 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 he's trying to get out of Philly. Just oh. for the fun of it. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's get back to the actual story that I was setting up before I was rudely interrupted. Yeah, Ben right. Simmons. That's Chris's Chris fault. Chris. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> Ben Simmons got thrown out of practice because he refused to sub in for early, drills early on in practice. Uh, then he was suspended for game one against the Pelicans, as we all know, because he was not there. Um, was docked pay, obviously, because of the suspension. Um, as far as I am, I am aware, he has not received any money since returning to the team, and all fines and penalties have been applied to the salary that is in <laughs> escrow. Um, and then it should be noted that... Ben Simmons did come into practice today. Today is Thursday, October 21st. Uh, got some work done on his back, but quote unquote, quote unquote, was cleared to practice, <laughs> yet the team deemed him mentally unprepared to play. No, no, no. No. Or was that not the correct term? What, he, what showed up, they... he had an individual workout scheduled for today. Mm-hmm. He showed up, said he had back tightness. They did work on it, cleared him to do that workout, and he didn't participate. 
The report from yeah, Shams. The report yeah. from Shams is that he is quote just not mentally prepared to play for the Sixers yet. That's not like a team statement. Okay, my mistake on that part. But what 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 do we think? Did any of us think that Ben would really take it this far? Like Chris and Uri, you both can chime in on this one. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, I think we kind of knew he'd like try to do this kind of thing. It, we've seen it with Harden and Jimmy. It's not a new tactic. Like his quickest way out the door is to just make this unbearable as possible for the Sixers. I I think that's. If you're looking at things from his perspective and your goal is to make the Sixers trade you, the way to do that is to make it so untenable and so uncomfortable that even Daryl Morey cracks. We'll see if that happens. But that's what he's trying to do, I think. Like, do I – I saw stuff on Twitter. Like, no one buys that he's not mentally prepared. Like, I, I, I'm sure he does not want to play Friday on national TV in front of the Sixers fans against – like, I'm sure he's – Probably not like ready for that. I I buy that, but I, obviously he's like trying to force his way out, right? He's trying to make it uncomfortable. He's trying to make it awkward. He's trying to make it a distraction. I'm not sure how well that's working out yet. The Sixers seem pretty, uh, as Daryl Morey put it today, unified in their like attempt to not be distracted by this. But we'll we'll see what happens. But I, I don't think it's that shocking. I I did not predict that a player like Simmons would fake COVID and fake a back injury. Oh, okay. All okay. right. Okay. 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 Ramona We're... Shelburne, guys, it's not me. And I, I'm Ramona rolling with did Ramona. not report that. Okay. Ramona she she that? reported she reported that teammates suspected that he would try. Yeah. So why was she it put was in not the article re- if she didn't feel it was credible? Why would she put it out there? I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying that okay. it's not credible okay. credible that the teammates suspected that. We're okay. saying it's credible. It's not it's inaccurate to say that he okay. actually faked it. It's not credit it's not incredible to say that his teammates okay. suspected it. Okay. Well, if his teammates suspected it and they've been playing with him for years, then I'm just gonna go with what, what they assume, right? Because they work with the guy every day. But here's my point. All right. I didn't expect that. I didn't expect to get to this point. But I did see this day coming where he would not fit his narcissistic approach to basketball and his his life, his celebrity life would come in butt heads with the maturity of the real leader of this team, which is Joel Embiid. So I saw this day coming. That's why I wrote in August of 2020, I said trade Simmons now because he has value. Now he has zero value. So, well, he I certainly still has value, but. Uh, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. His talent, um, defensively, he has value, but I, if I'm a GM and I'm going to give this guy 100 and what? Uh, no, no, no. I don't disagree, or I'm just yeah. saying technically he still has value. It's just what teams are willing right. to give up for him. Exactly. Um, to piggyback off your point, I do want to say this. In terms of this day coming, I remember seeing on Twitter today, was on Twitter scrolling, and I forgot who tweeted it, but it was like a snapshot of Ben Simmons' scouting report. And like the red flag in the quote-unquote scouting report was that he wasn't receptive to coaching and it could be or receptive to improving his game and that it could be an issue going into the pros. And I forget where I saw that. It was from from the Draft Express, guys. Okay. Gavoni at ESPN. Okay, so yeah, it was Jonathan Gavoni, very respected, well-thought-of talent expert and evaluator. We all should have seen this coming. We we all should have seen it coming, especially if a guy like Brian Colangelo thought that he was the number one pick, which, I mean, granted, he had the talent. All right, everyone thought he was the number one pick. I'm going to say that I struggled with choosing between him and Ingram because I was just like, Ingram's okay. game is per- already made with Joel. Like, it fits. Is it is Ingram a better overall player? Debatable. But Ingram's offense fits with Joel, and we need that moving forward. I, w- you I would agree. On, I, I, agree with with, I agree with ben, both Joel of you. Joel wasn't, like, mm. a thing yet. Like, but, but, like, the thing is, like, Ben Simmons not having a defined jumper in college was a red flag for me because, honestly – 
You don't usually develop that into the pros. Kawhi Leonard is like a rare exception. Look, I agree with both of you in that I think Ingram was like right there and he didn't Mm -hmm. go to Duke. He came from a great uh, background collegiately. But I also agree with Chris where I was in the book. Like, wow, this guy is he is like a really great player. Uh, he's he's unrefined. He didn't have a jump shot, but he was he was like the number one pick that everyone thought he would be in terms of like potential. Ben Simmons is better than Brandon Ingram. Like he's a better player. Uh, are uh, we sure? Uh, no, Chris, yeah. you had Brandon Ingram no. drafted rehire in our redraft. Not no, right now. I, I'm, I'm pretty not, sure you did. I listen, did. Hey, Lucas. I know I did. You, Lucas, if we did a poll with every NBA player right here, right now, and they said, who would you take, Ben Simmons or Brandon Ingram? Who do you think the players would pick right now? Ooh. Who do you think the players would pick? Out of just sheer respect Ooh. alone. Have if we're talking about respect. The, the player votes for All-Stars are generally pretty embarrassing. Like, I don't know if we can, like, take the player. Well, no, no, no. That's not what he's saying. He's just saying, who would you rather, like... Yeah, who would you pick? Who would you want in your team right now? Ben Simmons or Brandon Ingram? Luke, Chris? I... I, I you would, would take Ben Simmons? On the, I who's would the take... better teammate or who's the better no, player? No, on player. this team right now? Yeah. I'll take Ingram. Take I'll, Ingram. I'll be the bold yeah. one. I say I'll take Ingram. Because right now, they need a three-level score that can create off his dribble. And Ingram can do that. And Ingram's not bad defensively. He's scrawny, but he is not bad. He is above average defensively. Solid playmaker, three-level scorer. He just needs to find that next year. But he has shown each and every year development, so I would not be surprised if he did find that next year. Well, like if Ben didn't want to trade and we were in normal times right now, I'd still take Ben. Like I... Again, like literally the best defensive duo in recent history. Like I, I think we're kind of underselling that. That's like, why you traded Scotty Barnes for him for your fantasy team, right? The audience, the the offense could be <laughs> sort of problematic. Yeah, boy, but that literally yeah. two of the best defenders of all time, like in recent history. Two very good defenders. It, it, it's like I don't think we can undersell that. I'm not, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't, but at the same time, Chris. The defense isn't what's lost them the second round the past four seasons. Three out of the past four seasons because there was the first round exit without Ben. But it it was the offense. Being able to minimalize Ben Simmons on offense has allowed teams like the Celtics, like the Raptors, and like, and like the Atlanta Hawks to All beat right. the Sixers each and every time. Celtics series, they don't even get there without Ben. Ben won them the Miami series. Raptors series, Ben was pretty good. Like, Ben was not the issue there. The issue there was uh, Kawhi Leonard. Ben uh, had a really good series. He, he wasn't the best, defining but factor, he, but his, but his offense... He disappeared. He, disappeared in my he was opinion. averaging, what, like 15 points a game that series? He disappeared. Yeah, he, not he great. Was, he was not very 15, effective. That's, that's fine. He, he has never collapsed like he did against the Hawks. Until the Hawks series, that that was like a new low. Literally, literally the worst team that they faced out of those three teams, though. Okay, but the Hawks are good. Like they're good, but they were the worst team out of those three. One won a championship. The other one pushed LeBron James to what a game six or seven? Seven, yeah. Game seven, yeah. So, and then Atlanta. Granted, I would say that if Trey okay, Young did not get injured, he they might have. I will say this: if Trey, I will say this: if Trey Young didn't get injured, that series might have turned out differently. Just gonna say that. Yeah, look, obviously he sucked against the Hawks, and mm-hmm. now we're in like the dark place. But mm-hmm. um, I don't really know what we were talking about before. Yeah. That. Okay. Well, we were talking about do we see it getting to this point? But let me ask you this other question <laughs> regarding this: in, these two incidences in the past, like three days. So, at this point, what do we anticipate happening as things have gotten progressively worse? What do we think is going to happen next? Do we think he's going to play, or do you think he's just they're going to quietly ask him to like, you know, stay away, please, for the love of Christ, stay away from our team. We'll pay you, just stay away. Yeah, I mean, they're supposedly going to talk about it Friday morning. We're recording Thursday night. We'll see how that talks goes um ben is listed as doubtful for friday night against the nets on espn at home in prime time he's not playing in that game folks i'm i'm personally gonna just say he's out 
I'm I'm gonna confirm it now with no sources. <laughs> I'm just telling you, he's not playing. Um, Chris, that, Chris, Chris, if he's out, you cannot. Ask, if he does play, you cannot ask me to trade, <laughs> to trade. Evan Evan Mobley again <laughs> this season. If he plays, I I take Ben over Mobley. Um, <laughs> okay. look, um. Yeah, he's not going to play against Brooklyn. He's probably not going to play anytime soon. It, it just seems like we're going to keep having these little incidents pop up for a while. He's like the report from Shams before the report from Woj about the meeting tomorrow morning was that he's going to be out for an indefinite number of games. Yeah, and Now he's doubtful for Friday. I, I think the indefinite number of games is probably where we're going to end up after Friday mm. morning. Um, yeah, Sh- Shams is pretty plugged into Ben's camp, and Woj is pretty plugged into the Sixers camp, so we get two differing opinions for sure. So yeah, I, 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 I predict, and I'm just going to keep it simple and short, I predict the league is going to have to get involved. I think Adam Silver is going to have to step in. Because... But the thing is, Adam Silver doesn't even know what to do. He stated that on his recent press, you know, appearance. Like, yeah, he's but like... he's just saying that on camera. He's not, he's not going to tip his cards. But eventually, this is going to impact the owners and the CBA. More, he he, he later, said but... that he, he said that like there's no one fix in this in the CBA because holdouts are always going to happen. Just because he says that at the time doesn't mean he's going to have to avoid resorting to i mean i i i hope that you're right but i am i yeah i hope that you're right uriah but i don't i kind of trusted him on his word on this like he does not want to touch this with the 10-foot pole i agree that the league might like look into it and levy some fines if ben keeps it up but like they can't force ben to go out on the floor they, you know they're not gonna like hold him at gunpoint and say go play Right, like they can't make Ben. Play I games. mean, they could say that, or you're indefinitely suspended from the league, regardless of trade. Sure, and like, if and all salary, that, and all, and all salary is suspended thereforth. But yeah. they could I mean, do are that. they like actually allowed to do that? Like, I mean, that, that would be caught. That 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 is something that would be caught up in arbitration. And but you know what? Until it's until it's you know figured out in arbitration, he's not getting that money. Like I, I just don't think any of us know enough about the CBA to like actually. Comment. You know what? Maybe we need to get uh Keith. Uh, oh gosh, not Keith Pompey, our friend Keith of the Smith. podcast, Keith Smith, because he's a cap expert. We could ask him, but I don't even know if we could get him on the show. Keith, if you're listening, please come on our show and ask answer our questions about the cap. Otherwise, I mean, we're just gonna be kind of in the dark. I mean, unless you know Bobby Marks wants to come on. Bobby Marks, if you're listening, please come on our podcast. We very much appreciate you answering our questions about the cap. Yeah, I mean, look, end of the day, basically, we're waiting to see who, like, calls who's bluff still, right? Like, Ben is going to keep being a pain in the butt until he's traded. Maury is saying, I'm willing to wait four years to resolve this. And that kind of gets us into our next point, right? Yeah, let's let's switch gears. (laughs) All right. Uh, spoiler, we're going to talk about Daryl Morey. So he went on the <laughs> Mike Missanelli show this afternoon and uh, dropped quite a few uh, nuggets on us. Uh, basically, here's the quote. You're going to think I'm kidding. I'm not. This could go on for four years. We're in the prime of Joel's career. Either Ben Simmons is playing for us or we have to get back a difference maker. This kind of confirms the general reports that we've been seeing for the past week. They're not going to trade Ben unless they get a a comparable all-star level impact player in return. We know that they have not engaged with Indiana's offers revolving around Malcolm Brogdon in the past. Malcolm Brogdon is now off the table because he just signed a contract extension. So we know that Maury's probably legit here. Like Maury's willing to get uncomfortable. He's probably more willing than any other GM slash president in the NBA to get uncomfortable and drag this thing out in service of what he views as maximizing the Sixers championship odds. Um, yeah. So look, we're waiting for people to call each other's bluff, right? Do we really think Daryl Morey can let this get past the trade deadline and just waste the season of Joel's prime? Do we like, honestly think that's an option? Ooh, no, I, I don't think it is. I, I, I just can't see it happening, but Oof. you put up a good question there, Chris. It, we'll see what happens. We'll see. Like, if Ben is actually playing in a week and he doesn't look like total poo-poo, and we'll, probably not going to happen. But, like, like, there are all sorts of different outcomes here. But 
I don't know how you can let this get past the trade deadline. We're going to talk about what Joella said. Like, it, it just seems too far gone. But I'll let you uh, give your thoughts here. What What was your opinion on that comment, Lucas? Where do you think we're at now? I mean, Daryl Morey's a PR darling. He's going to say what he wants everybody to think. Now, to your question, that wasn't on there, but it really stirred my interest. Do we think Daryl's going to let this go past the trade deadline and waste a year of Joel's prime? That is the million-dollar question. <laughs> that That is, because if you look at it, you do a trade before the deadline. You might not get a superstar, but you make this team better than what it currently is without Ben. But if you hold out for, let's say, a guy like Damian Lillard might be more willing to you know, come out, because let's face it, the, Gar- the, the Portland Trailblazers look bad. They looked really bad. Like, at least with, like, with, like, the Washington Wizards and Bradley Beal, there's a sliver of hope there. But the Blazers, they did not look good. It was one game, guys. No, no, that roster did. I mean, they got marginally better, maybe. That roster was a playoff team last year, and they got better. Like, they'll be okay. I don't know if they got that much better. And Chauncey Billups, I love him as a player, but we don't know what he can do as a coach. There have been plenty of former players that didn't that were not good coaches. Isaiah Thomas. That 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 would be the one like point of concern. Is Phillips probably isn't as good as. Uh, like uh, if this if this goes south for Portland, you know Dame's. You know he was. Dame pretty, has already said he's not going to leave. Even yeah, let's wait he, until yeah, let's wait. Let's now. Yeah, let's let's wait. Let's just wait, Chris. Let's just wait. I mean. I trust him to be an honest guy, but at the same time, I mean, he, he was feeling himself because he just got married. Like, Congratulations. It was like a news drop from Woj. It was like a full-on athletic article with Dame going in-depth about how he's not leaving even if they struggle out of the gate and are losing games. Like, he pretty much, like, quadrupled down on it. So I, I'm i not counting on Dame asking you. You know, what Dame, you know what this Dame situation reminds me of? Kevin Garnett. In the Minnesota I mean, Timberwolves. Dame specifically said. Too, I mean, that he's I mean Chris, you're right. Himself. Tell me, am I wrong? Uh, I don't know. I kind of want to get back to the Sixers. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Where the right. point being, the point being is that I don't know, Chris. I don't know if they're going to waste the whole season or not. But I would love to wait to see the answer. So, of that. Look, I, uh, I think I think the counter to that is if you trade Ben for garbage, you're wasting the next four years instead of just one year. I well, think I that mean, would be Maury's counter. What would, you, would you consider C.J. McCollum, Rocco plus picks? Uh, uh, no, but I don't think that's on the table right now. It, Not in Maury's mind, but everybody else's mind it is. I don't think it's in Portland's mind. I don't think it's on the table. It should be. We can argue if it should be. I don't think it is. <laughs> Harden, guys, just to let you know. Oh, yeah, because, oh, yeah, Stephen A. Smith, yeah, he's like, you know, Darren Moore is just waiting there in yeah. Philly. Stephen A. Smith is always right about it. But, but let, let's, it's not impossible. It's well, not let's, impossible. let's think about this. James Harden will be a free agent. They could do a sign and trade that sends Ben to Brooklyn and James to, uh, to, you know, the Sixers. And I mean, granted, it's not the ideal trade for the Nets, but. You get Ben plus assets back, you know, young players plus picks. Like you get to restock yeah. your picks, your James picks a little Harden, bit. James Harden's not leaving. Damian Lillard's not leaving. Bradley Beal's probably not leaving. What about okay? Here, here about let me throw a dark here. horse. Let me throw a dark horse here. Uh, yeah, I want to have you guys. Let's just say, for all intents and purposes, the Utah Jazz start out slow. This that core of Donovan Mitchell. And Rudy Gobert have been together for a very long time. Rudy Gobert is untradeable. He's on a max contract and he's a 30 year old center. They can't, they're not going to be able to move him for equal value. Yeah, they would. You throw the sink, all the kitchen and the whole sink, everything. And Donovan Mitchell is asking out because he does not like the direction of Portland. I mean, of the Jazz. The Jazz were the number one seed last year. I'm just saying. How are they going to? And like, they lost. They're gonna bottom out. <laughs> and they lost. And they lost. Yeah, like, and they're they in the luxury again, tax. And if like, they lose again, I see where you're going with this, Lucas. 
I wouldn't be surprised if D. Mitch. Or, or you know, him. Zach Levine. The Bulls barely scraped by a win against what the Pistons. Nah, you gotta give guys, them time. They just guys. got together. Give them like time. I mean, Let's I'm not stop making proclamations after one game. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Let's just think about it. But anyway, for his overall, uh, I mean, I believe him at face value. I think they're, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But I'm more interested in the second question that you asked. But anyway, that's that's my thoughts on it. All right. Uh, so let, let's let's just talk about what Joel said. He said, "quote At this point, I don't care about that man. Honestly, he does whatever he wants." Now there has been some debate. As to whether he said, I don't care about that man, or I don't care about that comma man. Uh, you got Doesn't to matter. Take it in whatever direction. I, I think it's a pretty significant difference. <laughs> oh, my God. Said, I don't care about that. No, you're really no. going there with this, Chris. You no, 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 oh it does, no. It doesn't matter because let's, it doesn't matter what that, where the comma listen. is there because the next says, sentence he says, he does whatever oh, he wants. Listen, 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 guys, listen to me. So I was listening to the Ricky and they were talking about how there was a, a fan in the stands that emailed Spike. He basically the fan was saying that in the preseason, you know, the starters were sitting out and, and Joel was sitting in the stands and the players were like just letting loose language that they probably wouldn't do any other time, but they're so frustrated. So someone brought up Ben Simmons and this is the words of the person that was in the stands and Spike said this on the Ricky. You can listen to it yourself. They were saying the language like Oh, that man, if he comes here, he needs to sit over there or he's not invited here. So that language, this was reported last week. And then All he right. used that language again. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was directing. Hey, Madison. guys, a fan email from Spike is not like the most credible source. <laughs> but but is it coincidence that he actually said that in the press conference? I don't care about what that fan in Philly would want to do harm to Ben Simmons. I, I, can't, I can't think of one. I can't think of a Come single on, one. Guys. Not me. <laughs> guys. <not me. laughs> Okay. okay anyway i i get your point chris here but i think it's pretty there was no pause when he actually said it because i listened to the live clip there was no comma pause there was before the man the pause came after the quote-unquote comma came after that that's the honest truth there and the other thing that we didn't have in here that i want to bring up he's like we're not in charge of babysitting yeah. you're talking about your teammate talking about having to babysit him Nah, this statement plus that. Yeah. Nah, Chris, there yeah, Joel's done. I'm not arguing <laughs> opposite this. I was just saying there's been controversy. Yeah. That's insignificant. Yeah, your though. controversy. You you brought that. I've never heard that anywhere. Yeah, anywhere I haven't else. seen that either I, yet, Chris. Because I'm on the site Twitter account more than you all, I guess. Oh, oh, okay, oh, okay, okay. Shots fired. <laughs> um, look, obviously. If we're talking about like mending the situation so that Ben feels comfortable, quote unquote, comfortable enough to play again, I don't like, I don't know if Joel is helping the cause. I'm not criticizing Joel. I think it's great. I think his honesty is quite refreshing. I'm praising him for it. But Mm -hmm. like, this is like nailing the coffin stuff. Like, this is not going to help things get better. And, and Uh, I wrote about it the next day and I was just like, guys, this is the end of the, like this, there's no fixing this relationship. It is done. It is more done than Shaq and Kobe. It is more done than any other dynamic duo that had a bad fault. Ray Allen and the rest of the, hold on, hold on. Boston Celtics. Wait, save that. That's coming up soon. Oh, that's Save right. That. You're absolutely right. It is coming Save up that. soon. Yeah. So the qu- the question was is like, what came to mind when we he- first heard this quote? I was happy. I was happy that, like Chris okay. said, I was happy that he said this because you know what? Everybody was feeling this. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're that one Ben Simmons fan that was waiting out in the parking lot hoping for an autograph. You were waiting for Joel Embiid to hear this, to say this. Sorry, to say this. You were waiting to hear him say this. And guys. We I talked about this weeks ago. I was hoping that something like this would happen. I was hoping for it. And it happened. And it made me feel not only validated, but satisfied. Because guess what? We're getting honesty now. This is yeah. Joel's done. He's done playing PR nice. He's done. He's done. And it's wonderful. So it's I, good I for remember. our basket. It's good for it's good for our jobs. But Joel. obviously not good for our team. But good for, you know what? No, it is good for the team because he's speaking yeah. what the team's thinking. Yeah. Joel's PR skills have never been very strong. <laughs> His what skills? PR has never been a oh, PR, PR guy. 
So I remember what first came to mind for me was, I guess it was maybe three and a half years ago. I remember it like yesterday. It was a Saturday morning. I was walking my dog and I called into the radio station and Aton Shander was on 97.5 at the time. Right now he has his own show. Shout out to Aton. And I said, look, because they were talking about like a possible beef between these two guys. And that's back when I was like really supportive of Ben. I said, Aton, you guys got to stop bringing this up. This, we don't want this to be another Shaq and Kobe thing. And he's like, oh, you're right. You know, I understand that. But we got to. And I remember I was like, I really want this to work out. I don't want this to be in like Shaq and, and Penny because they had such promise. So that's what came to mind. It wasn't I wasn't happy. I wasn't like disappointed. It was just like, man. I, I kind of saw this coming. I mean, like, if this really does drag on all season, we might get to a point where we have to come to a resolution of some sort. But frankly, like, until the trade deadline, I just can't see anything, like, reconciling this. I, I, I think we're pretty much stuck in Ben wants to leave. His teammates are happy to move on and focus elsewhere. And you know we'll we'll see what happens. I I think Daryl Morey is right to be patient and to not be emotional and to not let like the fan energy determine his moves. But we're just going to keep getting to more and more uncomfortable places until something uh, is resolved here. Um, but we kind of hinted at this. You mentioned Shaq and Kobe, Uriah. We can go back to Shaq and Penny, Durant, Westbrook. Kyrie, LeBron, etc. Where does this rank to you, Lucas and Uriah, among the like worst star breakups in NBA history? It's difficult because obviously Ben is not on the same star level as some of these other guys. But honestly, I could see this being a long-term grudge. Like Kobe and Shaq got over it after they weren't teammates anymore. And I don't think like the main issue, the reason why Shaq left wasn't because of Kobe is because Jim, uh, the late great Jim Buss didn't want to pay him what he thought he was worth. And then so they he got traded. He asked for traded so that he could get paid and he did by the Miami Heat. Benny and Shaq, Shaq just left. That was that was a harsh breakup. That was just Shaq giving up on that team. I would like to liken, and I mean the Ray Allen situation was unique as well because the big three were, you know, Paul, KG were hoping that at Ray would come back to the Celtics. But then when the Celtics weren't offering him anywhere close to what he was worth, he said, bump it. I'm going to go to Miami and try to win a championship there. And obviously that just left a bad taste in KG's mouth. And honestly, I can see kind of um, Joel holding that same type of level of resentment that KG does. They're they're different in a lot of ways, but I think the the competitive nature and like the willingness to win and like the the ability to hold grudges, I think that's something similar that him and KG have in common. So I think that's I think that would be the closest thing that I would say in terms of the feelings that are here right now. I would say the the Ray Allen Boston breakup would be the closest thing that I could think of. I I would say. I mean, I don't know if you remember this, Chris, but Shaq actually got on a stage in front of hundreds of people and put a rap out and put and and talked about Kobe, you know, how you know it's very vulgar. You can find it on YouTube, but mm-hmm. that was to the extreme. I was like, wow, he really Well, this is there. after oh, this is after well, Kobe. This this was after Kobe threw Shaq under the bus when he was just like, I right, should Right, of course. Well, but, I, but, I don't want to repeat that on our podcast, right. but, the but point you, is, you you remember what I'm saying. Yeah, but the point is the point is that went to the extreme. They ended up ironing out their differences. They sat down mm-hmm. together. Durant and Westbrook just they had spent so much time together. It was just time. Yeah. Uh Kyrie and LeBron, eh, I I can't see. Maybe, LeBron maybe Kyrie and LeBron. I mean, but there wasn't hate there. That was just Kyrie just kind of so, wanting. Yeah. Hold on, let me finish, man. Yeah. All right. So my point is, I think um, right now it seems bad. Maybe it can be mended like ten years down the line, but it's up there. I, I'd say it's above. I think the 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 relationship I, is is it's a little bit worse than Kyrie and LeBron and Durant and Westbrook. I think these guys are going to hate each other for a while. See, I, I, I really don't think there's like that much resentment. Like, I think Embiid is clearly annoyed and he's like done with this whole thing, but I don't think he's going to like hold a grudge. Like Lucas said, I, I just don't get that feeling from Joel. Like he did say, I don't care. 
Like that, that was his quote. Now we can like, oh, that doesn't always necessarily mean that someone doesn't care, but I, I really don't get the sense that like Joel's going to hate Ben Simmons for the next 20 years. I, I really think like he'll honestly yeah. move on. Well, hold up, Chris. Think about like this. The organization had to choose between Ben and, and Jimmy. Ben made them choose him over Jimmy because he's, you know, for whatever reasons you want to say, but that choosing Ben over ben, ben ben over Joel's best friend, who literally led the Heat to uh, NBA Finals, I, we I, saw yeah. him reference that in the past. That's an interesting point. Look, I don't think they're going to be best friends. They never have been. <laughs> I, I do not think that Joel is the biggest Brian Colangelo fan in the world or the biggest Elton Brand fan in the world in those past regimes who clearly probably valued Ben more than him. That has obviously changed with Maury. I, I don't disagree that Joel probably has problems with how this has played out. I, I honestly just don't think he, he's going to care for much longer. Like, as soon as Ben is gone and we have, whether it's CJ McCollum, Karis LeVert, whoever the heck replaces him, I, I think we forget about it pretty quickly. I don't think we're going to have Joel talking about Ben in press conferences after he's traded, you know, throwing sh- shade at him. I, I, I just don't think it's that kind of relationship. Like, Kyrie... And LeBron, like Kyrie did not like LeBron. Like that was the reason he, like Kyrie had issues for whatever reason with LeBron. I, I don't think that's the same thing here. I, I think it's been just like breaking down and wanting out and Joel just kind of being along for that ride. I, I don't think it's Joel and Ben coming to blows and that's why Ben is asking out. Like that's just not what's happening here. Kyrie asked out because he didn't want to play with LeBron. You know, I, I don't think it's that kind of situation. I mean, I don't know, man. It's a difficult thing to really kind of read for sure about how how everybody feels about this. But let's go ahead and switch gears. Whoa, and- whoa, whoa, whoa. Was that the old one? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Fine. That, that yeah. thing is so loud, man. I might hey, it's not that loud, at least not in my headset. I'm wearing headphones, and that thing is like hurting my eardrums. But let me okay. try it again. I'll try it again. It's like going to an IMAX theater. You get the yeah. full Sonic experience. All right. So, uh, pause for a second, Uriah. Um, I did not get a chance to. Is this a? Is this like a tweet? Is this like a video? Or is this like a thing with Emmanuel Ocho's statement? Uh, it's, uh, I, I can, I can read it. Um, okay. Thank you. I'm going to, okay. So I'll just be like, Hey, Uriah's I'm going to, I'm gonna actually going to just let you get this last part here. You're right. Cause okay. you, you're no, you don't have a question of the week or anything. Okay. So you can have this last part. You are so great gracious, man. <laughs> I'm a generous God King to Xerxes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Xerxes. Do you right. not remember 300? I do remember 300. He's like, I am a generous God King. Yeah. That's one of my favorite movies, by the way. It's a good one. Yeah, it's very good. So, all right, basically, Emmanuel Acho. How do you say this guy's name? Yeah, it's Emmanuel Acho. Sam Murray Acho. Sam, yeah, Sam Acho's on ESPN, his little, his older brother. Right. Uh, he said he had a quote about Ben Simmons, and he's trying to basically come to his aid and, and give his perspective in terms of how Ben should feel slighted by the organization. And he quoted as, you know, parable whatever the child who is not embraced by the village will burn it down to feel its warmth he's talking about how ben simmons was never given or accepted by the fans or accepted by his teammates and you know that's his opinion that's his opinion so uh i guess the question for you guys is uh how do you feel about that do you think that the fans slighted him that the coach slighted him i mean what do you guys think okay i'm gonna answer this first that's bullshit. You know how much the fans like put up with his non-shooting? Like every time he made a three-pointer, the fans got up, went crazy. But okay, like you said, okay. a thousand death by a thousand is little. But but no, but no no no, no 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 no, I'm not done yet, Chris. I'm not I know I'm asking something about that specifically. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Is putting up with his not shooting the same as embracing him? Is that the same thing? Ooh. Okay. No, well, the thing is, he did he did mention Chris like the unconditional part, like basically your teammates and the fans should unconditionally accept you, and that's the I think that's the word that really brings out like the whole point of this conversation. Okay. 
Well, then I will say probably not unconditionally in the sense of the term that everybody expected him to do more. His fans, his teammates saw what he could do in practice. The fans saw the offseason workouts, the preseason games, preseason shooting sessions. We all expected more. We embraced who he was at the time, but we also hoped for more. So in that sense, no, I don't. I guess you you could say that we didn't fully embrace him for who he is. But to be fair, he showed us that he could be more. He just refuses to do so for whatever reason. So I guess in that statement, no, the Sixers, the fan base, the, the city, all of that did not fully embrace him for who he was. Because we expected more. Because we I, saw the potential for more. I definitely had Chris in mind with this quote. So, Chris, do you think that Ben Simmons has the right to burn down the village to feel the warmth? Yeah, no. Like, um, <laughs> okay, okay. All right, I would go crazy if he was like, "Well, actually, he has a point." Look, I mean, I from all the reporting that we've seen on this Ben thing, more of it is some of it is probably true. Some of it's probably just PR posturing from different agencies and teams, but it does seem like there's some level of like Ben not feeling as embraced by the organization as like Joel, for example, like it's clear that Daryl Morey has a much closer relationship with Joel than he does with Ben. Maybe that has rubbed Ben the wrong way, mm-hmm. whatever. But like at the end of the day, like you said, Lucas, yeah, he, he has brought all of this on himself. Like it, it's kind of hard to, feel totally completely bad for him necessarily just mm-hmm. because like he, he's here because of his own stuff um that i clearly the fans have wanted been to succeed the whole time that yeah. it's never been a question of that so i i just don't think that's true um and mention about the Daryl Morey thing. You bring that up, but to be fair, Daryl Morey is always looking for the better co-star. We saw it in the Rockets when first he got James Harden, and then he got Dwight. Dwight was still in his prime-ish. Then he was like, Dwight's not good enough. We got to do something else. Let's get Chris Paul. And they got Chris Paul. Chris Paul. Okay, injury problems. Let's see if we can get something better. Russell Westbrook. Fitz not there. Okay, and then that was the end of that story. But that was – Daryl Morey had one of the longer tenures of a GM. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, the only people that, out, you know, lasted him is, like, guys like Danny Ainge and um, – what's their GM of – R.C. Buford of the San Antonio Spurs. Like, there are very few GMs that last as long as, you know, Morey does. Yeah, I, I don't even think it's, like, the hardened thing. I, I think it's more of a fact, like, once upon a time – Brian Colangelo very clearly preferred Ben Simmons over Joel Embiid. Like Colangelo, this is true. Yeah. Colangelo wanted to build around Ben. It was viewed probably in the front office at that time as Ben's team. And that has since changed pretty dramatically. And if that is part, like a small part of the source of Ben's frustration, right or wrong, it probably it would be pretty stupid. But if that's where Ben's head is at, then that's where his head's at. To be I, I fair, until possible. until Maury got there, the GMs always catered to Ben. You think of you think of uh, Clangelo, you think of Brett Brown in his interim basis. You think of guys like you know even like let's take Brett Brown for example. He went and got rid of got a quality center in Rashawn Holmes and got a stretch five in Mike Muscala. Clearly a downgrade, but. That's, that's hindsight. That's in hindsight. I mean, even during then, I think we all thought yeah. that Rashawn Holmes would be better than Mike Muscala I in year two, yeah, three. Or I agree. Yeah. But point point being, and then you got Elton Brand brings it. Jimmy Butler tries to make it work. Cool, doesn't work. Instead of trying to you know run it back a year and bring back one of the team's best three point shooters in NBA his in franchise history in JJ Redick and a bona fide star in Jimmy Butler to win it all. They decided to cater to Ben and get Al Horford and Josh Richardson. I think part of that's true, but I also think like Elton Brand just just was just incompetent. I think that's probably part of it too. Like Like, I don't understand why everybody in NBA circles was like, "Oh, oh, Elton Brand, he's so good. He made and yeah, he made some good choices, but he made some very bad ones too." Like he made several bad. very bad ones. The Jimmy Butler trade was the only good thing he ever did. I, don't, the Tobias, I think the Tobias Harris was a 50-50 on that one. 
It was okay. until he gave him that contract. Okay, so. but that's separate than the trade. Like you got to separate well, that from the trade, in well, my opinion. But anyway, and, we're getting off topic. Yeah, let's, mm. let's get to the final topic of the night, and let me give you guys a little background. There's a player that uh, is for the Eagles. His name is Jason Kelsey, All Pro Center, helped us win our only Super Bowl ring in, in franchise history. He, I mean, he's not even a basketball player, right? He's not a ESPN analyst. He's a professional football player. He was uh, being interviewed. I can't remember what podcast, but he went on air. He said that talking about Ben, anybody, I'm sorry, everybody can bitch and complain about how tough the city is to play in. Just play better, man. The city will love you. Then he kept going. All of that, talking about Ben's situation, because a lack of accountability, a lack of owning up to mistakes, a lack of correcting things. If all that got corrected, you fix some free throws, you're getting better as a player. None of this is happening. So what do we think about Jason Kelsey State? Ooh, ooh, there's so much to dissect here. Go for let's it. just let's look, let's just look at the accountability part here. Does that mean we blame blame Brett Brown or do we blame the front office for not enabling Brett Brown to no. have that type of authority? This guys, Brett, Brett, Brett Brown was totally blamed for so much stuff. Come on. I you don't think see the thing what? is like Brett got blamed a ton. The front office got blamed a ton. Everyone gets blamed when they do bad things. It, it's how it goes. The thing is, I don't, it's so difficult because I think until like Doc Rivers came in, I think the fan base was split on who should we build around Joel or Ben? Like that was, you know, I think that was a fair topic Ooh. of debate. You think people were split between that? In the for past a while. year and a half, two years, maybe in the very beginning, yeah, but early on they were. Not I, recently. I would say probably since after the Raptor series, it's been in more Joel's favor. Yeah, I agree. Um, but before the Raptor series, I think it's fair to say it was 50-50. Um, mm. or at least more even than what it is obviously I'd say now. 60-40, maybe. But you get my point. I think, you know, Brian Colangelo, and I think to an extent, Brett's relationship with Ben helped with the buy-in, but it also hurt when it came to getting him to get better. Because even Brett said, he talked to Ben's old high school coach. He was like, if I bench Ben, he'll do what I tell him to do. But if I don't bench him, well, then he's not going to do what he's going to keep on doing what he wants to do. Brett straight up told us in that uh, Jackie McMullen piece, he could not do, he could not force himself to do that. That's not the coach that he is. So I think it does come back on Brett for not holding Ben accountable to the level that he needed to, because you can talk to his family, him, his family, all you want, but unless there's consequences and you're I, your teacher. I work in a school. We both see this. Unless there's consequences, you're not going to see a behavioral change. All right. No matter how much you ask. I'm going to add, like, Ben's an adult. you got to hold yourself accountable at some point. You do. We, but, we can't but actually the... blame Brett for that. Like, obviously, Brett has been blamed for a ton. Ben's development is not, or lack of development, is not because of Brett Brown. It, it could be a very small factor, but, like, Doc, all season, all he did was talk up Ben. Nothing changed. Like, we've been through two coaches now. We've seen him go from college. To, like, like it's a Ben thing. The re- he hasn't gotten better because he's hasn't done the work. It's not a Prep Brown thing. I don't think it's that he doesn't. He hasn't done the work. Is that he's not confident in himself? Wait a minute, Lucas. We gotta we gotta have empathy for him though. Uh... Have empathy for him. So I'm, let me be nice to Ben. No, but seriously, listen. We had the former Sixers coach, Jimmy Lynam on here, and he said it himself. He had dinner with, with the coach himself, Brett Brown, and Brett Brown dropped the news on him, hey, I'm going to put Ben at point. And Jimmy Lynam was like, why? He's like, wow, that's amazing. And back then it was like, hey, why not? This guy has superior vision skills out on a fast break, but he didn't have a jump shot. And if they couldn't read the tea leaves and say this guy was not a coachable player, then that's on them for not being able to see that. Like a bad attitude will lead to poor habits. And he never changed those habits ever to this day. Maybe he'll change it when he's in Memphis or OKC, but not in Philly. No, it needs to be Sacramento. Put him in per- basketball pur- purgatory. 
since 2006, guys, since 2006. Well, I, I, I think that that pretty much wraps up our podcast here, Chris. So do you want to play us out, man? Sure. Um, yeah, big weekend, I think, for a lot of us. Um, my fantasy team is starting potentially three different Atlanta Falcons. So that's how my week's going to go. Um, Did he say Falcons? I traded him Falcons. Oh, okay. It's a rough week as far as buys go. Uh, You're telling yeah. me, man. Gosh, unfortunate. But... Yeah, big weekend. Dune came out. I'm gonna go see that. That'll be exciting. Uh, I'm to all our. <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking about Dune. Uh, <laughs> to all our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of the Sixers Sense Podcast. Of course, now that the season is back, we will have a lot of basketball to talk about, a lot of Ben Simmons stuff to talk about. I'm sure we will keep you posted twice a week. We're gonna break down all the games. We're gonna break down all the news and the stuff hovering around the team right now we are the place for that apple podcast spotify audible google play wherever please like subscribe follow along leave a review comment five stars all that jazz would really help us out you can also follow along at our website the sixersense.com and follow us on twitter at sixersense so until next time god bless burke on cork moth and we will talk to y'all then When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.